What's with the unfollow with, with the bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess mm. what? Every Bears post. Nah, let's see the follows. see the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. It seems like everybody in the organization, are we in on him or are we out on him? Do you want to stay in Chicago or what's up? Yeah, of course. Of course I want to stay. I can't see myself playing in another place, but just let me know if I'm getting traded. Let me know if I'm staying. I just wanted to be over well, Justin Fields had some things to say with the St. Brown brothers, as he should. More on the most interesting man in the NFL draft who isn't actually in the draft is coming your way. Welcome to NFL Live. Tim Hasselbeck, Sam Acho, Mike Tannenbaum with you for the hour. Lots to get to, guys. Let's start with Fields, though, okay? So many teams are being thrown out as a destination for Justin Fields. You see him with the Bears, but he's kind of looking over his shoulder at the Falcons. Well, a lot of that has to do with the conversation that he had with the St. Brown brothers. The Falcons were mentioned, his hometown team. Everybody wondering... If the Bears go ahead and take a quarterback at one, what happens with Justin Fields? Could he go to Atlanta? Well, here's what he had to say about that. Atlanta would be tough. The only con of going back home is just people hitting my phone crazy. Yeah. You know, wanting tickets to the game. But, I mean, uh, I think I think they got a lot of play ma- playmakers on the team. And, um, of course, Bijan. They got my boy Kyle. And then, of course, Drake. Two, um, they probably need one more receiver, but um, they definitely got some guys over there. I love he's already talking about his future roster potentially. Okay, speaking of young talent, the Falcons had four players gain at least 600 yards from scrimmage last season, and all of them 23 years old or younger. They are the first team over the last 30 seasons to have four players age 23 or younger with 600 scrimmage yards in a season. The youth is exciting there in Atlanta, especially on the offensive side. Acho, what do you think about fields in the ATL? I think it's a great fit based on the potential of the offensive playmakers. The reason that matters is this. Back in Chicago, there was a period where Justin Fields had, had very minimal playmakers around him. Yes, they traded for DJ Moore, but this team had the most cap space out of any team in the NFL. Very little, little of it was spent on offensive personnel. So now you have Bijan Robinson, who was outstanding as a rookie last year. Then you have Drake London, another dominant big receiver. And then Kyle Pitts, a tight end slash receiver. All of a sudden, you give Justin Fields playmakers around him that way he can use his legs and his arm with a dynamic offense yeah I like Atlanta as a fit I also like Pittsburgh as a fit and you know for a couple reasons one you look at the personnel I think there's good personnel in Pittsburgh um, you know for Justin Fields but I think it's bigger than that in terms of just the stability of the organization from ownership to head coach to the expectation how they've done things Uh, you know I think in some ways you could argue that Chicago failed just, you know, Justin Fields as much as he maybe failed them. And so with a, an opportunity in Chicago where there's just so much stability in place, I feel like that would end up being a perfect fit for him, um, you know, to really prove to people and build on some of the stuff he's already shown as a pro quarterback. Laura, there is a massive sense of urgency both for either Atlanta or Pittsburgh to get this deal done ASAP, Atlanta's picking eighth, Pittsburgh 20th. They won't get one of those top three quarterbacks where they are. And it's probably going to cost a second and maybe a fourth round pick with Chicago to get the deal done. And if we go back a year ago, Ryan Poles did a great job, the GM of the Bears. He got a big haul to go from one to 10 with Carolina on that big trade. Those conversations are happening right now because Atlanta and Pittsburgh have a tremendous sense of urgency that. Maybe it's Kirk Cousins and free agency if Minnesota doesn't resign him or getting Justin Fields. So 
there's not a lot of great options for those two teams, and that's why I would think those conversations literally are happening now and could be finalized by the time we get to Indy next week for the combine. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the sense of urgency. Tim said this on our production call, too. Like, could they stretch it out maybe to bring a little bit more attention or more leverage? But you're saying, no, get that done quick. The combine in Indy is where the entirety of the NFL uh, convenes. So it could be a place where all this happens, too, to Mike's point. Fields did say he'd like to stay in Chicago. Our Bears reporter, Courtney Cronin, posted this today from new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Waldron said he and Justin Fields have, quote, exchanged messages after Waldron was hired as the new OC, but NFL rules prevent any on-field work with coaches and players until phase one of the offseason program. So Waldron hasn't been able to work with any current Bears players yet, but he said he's reached out to Fields, uh, well, players, including Fields. Interesting enough. All right, so we heard from the Rams today, guys. Let's go there. The Rams exceeded expectations last season, winning seven of their, their last eight games to clinch a spot in the playoffs. L.A. enters this offseason with more than $34 million in cap space. They're slated to make a first-round pick for the first time since 2016. Earlier today, Sean McVay spoke about losing defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, who's now the Falcons head coach. Well, Raheem took most of those guys, and uh, I think it's an awesome opportunity for those guys to be able to elevate their careers. He is um, so deserving of the job, and you know, you guys know he's one of my closest friends, but he's a great leader. Uh, I think it timed up perfectly for our last three years to be in sync, and what an amazing time, what an amazing amount of experiences that we had, and uh, can't wait to watch him go shine. It's worth noting that the Rams actually worked hard to make sure that the NFL knew how great Raheem Morris was and that other places would want to hire him as a head coach. That's how much respect they have for him. But either way, Tim, they did lose Morris and a number of their staff members, as you heard McVay talking to there. How do they take the next step this season after overachieving last year? Well, you know, to be honest, Laura, you're right. In terms of losing coordinators, look at Philadelphia. Like, it hurts when you mm. lose coordinators. So they, they need to get that right. That's a big piece of the puzzle. The other thing is this. They were a team that was super active in, in free agency and making trades, and they were getting veteran players, and they were going all in, and then they succeeded. And then they've kind of had to make a switch now, and they've had success. They've had hits with Puka Nakua at wide receiver. They've had a hit with Kyron Williams at the running back position. And so really, they need to continue to take that next step by having success through the draft. Matthew Stafford's 35 years old. He's still playing at a high level. So continuing to put good players around him, probably on the offensive line, interior offensive line most notably, and then on the defensive side of the ball with some of the departures they've had in recent years. But to me now, it's about the draft if you're the Rams. Yeah, and just to build on that, Laura, like to me, their three biggest needs are, as Tim mentioned, Get a quarterback, and maybe you draft somebody in the first round, like a J.J. McCarthy. He sits for a year or two behind mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford. We did that at the Jets with Chad Pennington. He sat, and boy, when he hit the ground running, he was ready to go. Defensively, they've lost some really good players the last couple of years. Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey. They were 24th in pass rush this year. Someone like Leitu Latu from UCLA right in their backyard makes a ton of sense, or maybe a corner to replace Jalen Ramsey. So they have three big needs, and it's good that they have a first-round pick because they'll certainly be able to fill one of those three needs in the first round.
And in the NFL, we all know it's about winning the division is the easiest route to make the playoffs. If you want to win the division, you have to beat San Francisco. You need defenders on the edge to try and slow down that offense. Aaron Donald on the interior is great, but when it comes to pass rush win rate, the Rams are one of the worst teams when it comes to edge defenders. And so, yes, there's a youth movement there, but you have to continue to stock the defense. Puka Nakua, great. Kyron Williams on offense, great. Matthew Stafford, we're set. But defensively, you have to be able to slow down Brock Purdy, slow down Debo Samuel, slow down Christian McCaffrey, and it needs that depth on the defensive line specifically to make that happen. Yeah, Acho, to your point, the Rams ranked 23rd in the NFL in sacks last season. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. We've got a whole lot more coming your way after four years without Tom Brady. Quarterback remains a big question mark in New England. The Pats have a top three pick and a boatload of cap space this offseason. Why someone here says they should keep riding with Mac Jones. We'll explain. And the Raiders are tasked with taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice a year. So head coach Antonio Pierce has them bringing this approach to the matchup. You got the Jordan rules, and we, we, I'm calling out from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. So I show those guys Jordan getting his whooped. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Check out the first-ever professional fight league super fights card. The PFL champions square off against the Bellator champions Saturday in Saudi Arabia. The prelims begin at noon Eastern on ESPN News and ESPN Plus in English and Spanish with the main card at 3 Eastern on pay-per-view. To order, go to ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus. Let's zero in on the Patriots, who have the number three overall pick in the NFL draft. A great quarterback should be available there. Could also be a good talent a little later, potentially, if they want to trade back. Or maybe they want to hold on to Mac Jones. New offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt spoke about the plans he has to evaluate this offense yesterday. Talked to a couple guys already to coming in with a clean slate. No preconceived expectations or notions of who these guys are. And then we'll build it from the ground up. But exciting to, uh, to have the opportunity to do that. You know, really right now, everything is on the table. Um, as we go through this process, we're really this last couple of weeks, 10 days, have just been diving into who we are, uh, trying to evaluate our guys. Um, you know, a lot of people in this situation on staffs that have been here, they're doing free agency. Well, we're doing our guys as they are free agents. So we're trying to understand who we have here as well as looking at other players. Yeah, Mike Van Pelt left the door open for another year of Mac Jones there in New England. Do you see a scenario where the Patriots have Jones, though, as the starter next year? 
Absolutely, Laura. If they move back from number three and say, hey, we have a ton of holes to fill, so let's say Atlanta wants to come up from eight to three and we could get a one, absolutely. You get a year with the new staff, you evaluate him. Mac Jones, as a rookie, played good football. Or he went to the playoffs. That's not conjecture or projection. He played good football in the NFL. He has actually gotten worse. That's what makes this such a hard evaluation. And I'll say this as well. When a new staff comes in, sometimes they misevaluate who they have. And worst case scenario for the New England Patriots isn't Mac Jones not working out. It's if he does work out for somebody else. So you want to make sure you know exactly what you have. I just don't think they should sit there at three and not take a quarterback. Either trade back, keep Mac Jones, and get a bunch of picks, or say, you know what, we're moving on from Mac Jones, and we're going to take, you know, fill in the blank, Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Look, I think they need to be wide open in this quarterback situation. Like if Drake May is available at three, uh, look, they should be doing cartwheels, and they should hurry up and take him. That would be my advice to you know, the new regime in New England. Uh, I just think when you look at Mac Jones, he's the last two years combined, he's thrown 24 touchdowns and 23 picks. Like, that's certainly regressing, as, as Mike pointed out. To me, Drake May's as good of a prospect as we've seen at the quarterback position for really as long as I can remember. I think he's that talented. I think he's going to check that many boxes. And I think that while you definitely have issues and holes you need to fill in New England, starting with somebody that could be, uh, you know, a decade-plus starter and an elite player with elite skills, uh, look, I, I would hurry up and make that pick if I had the opportunity if I were New England. And Drake May is somebody who last year, before last season, people were talking about him if he was eligible about being a potential number one overall pick. That's how talented he is as a player. Yes, last year his numbers weren't as great. Some of the talent around him wasn't there. But the year before, 38 passing touchdowns, seven rushing touchdowns. This year he did it with his legs as well. If Drake May is available at three, I think it would be wise for a new coach, a new regime to get a new quarterback and to not necessarily reset, but in so many ways to continue what you wanted to build back in the heyday of the New England Patriots. And so for me, there's no situation where New England should trade back if Drake May is available. That's a generational talent. And if you can get him at three, that's a steal. Laura, there's one other interesting variable here, which is uh, with a new staff, they could actually be on the field before the draft. So that may actually help part of their decision-making process. Again, I think Mac Jones is very unusual. He's gotten worse, not better. So that, to me, makes it a much more complicated decision. You really need to understand what you have there first before you make any other decision. Yeah, it's a good point uh, with that little timing thing there. One thing I want to point out, too, is Tim is not a man of hyperbole, okay? So what he says about Drake May, pay attention. <laughs> if he's going to say that, it means he really means that you also, Tim, have done a lot of May's games and know him really well from the college space. It's going to be fascinating to see how he's evaluated, but I think we all agree everyone's going to love him as we get closer to the draft. Let's move to some free agents and wide receivers. Specifically, this year's class is loaded. T. Higgins is set to become a free agent but the Bengals could franchise tag Higgins if they want to keep him from hitting the open market. The group also includes the Bucks' all-time leading receiver in Mike Evans and Calvin Ridley, who had over 1,000 receiving yards in his first season with the Jaguars. So time for some quick reads. Where would you guys like to see some of these receivers land? Let's have a little fun here. Acho, what makes sense for T. Higgins? 
It makes sense for Teagans to stay in Cincinnati. Why? You pair him with a healthy Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. All of a sudden, a guy who had back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons a few years back all of a sudden gets to be with his quarterback and maybe knock off the defending Super Bowl champions. Huge Super Bowl window for the Cincinnati Bengals. T. Higgins needs to be a part of it. All right, Mike, give me a team for Michael Pittman. The New York Jets, he's young, he's big, he's athletic, had four touchdowns. He's a perfect complement to Garrett Wilson. This is obviously subject to uh, Aaron Rodgers, the general manager's approval. Obviously, I'm just sort of (laughs) half joking, but last year, you know, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb didn't work out. They need Aaron Rodgers to play quarterback, not be GM. So Michael Pittman would really help this offense. I hope they could be a little bit more expansive in who they look at. I feel like Rodgers would welcome him with open arms. Tim, where could Mike Evans go? Well, general manager Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City <laughs> might like Mike Evans. Look, he's a huge target. He still catches touchdowns. I get that he's on the wrong side of 30, but his production is still really good. And look at how much receiver kind of was the thorn for uh, Kansas City for much of the season. So I think that's certainly an option. But I also want to rule out a team like Houston that has cap space and certainly one of mine surrounding their talented young quarterback with a superstar wide receiver. Yeah, especially while he's on that rookie deal. A good time to spend money elsewhere. All right, guys, the Chiefs have signed punter Matt Ariza, the team announced today. And in December, Ariza was dropped from a lawsuit that alleged a 17-year-old girl was raped at an off-campus apartment in 2021 while Ariza was at San Diego State. The Bills drafted Ariza in 2022 but released him two days after the lawsuit was filed. Ariza said, quote, I am thrilled to be able to continue my NFL career. I want to thank my family who have been my rock and my many friends who have been unwavering in their support, end quote. We've got more NFL Live ahead after this. Russell Wilson's time in Denver seems to be nearing an end. Is it time for him to accept a backup role or find somewhere that he can go? Someone here thinks it should be time for Russ to call it a career. We'll explain. That's next on NFL Live right here on ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Come on, dog. I know what you're doing, but just chill out a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Don't just punch me for no reason, dog. Come on. Fires it late. Kelsey at the catch inside the tent. Stephon's one, stumbles into the end zone! Touchdown! 
I don't know, is he here all day? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Max Crosby all over Patrick Mahomes in the Raiders' late season win over the Chiefs this season. Head coach Antonio Pierce elaborated on the Raiders' plan for Mahomes on Crosby's podcast earlier this week. Listen to this. We got the Jordan rules, and we, we, I'm calling now from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his Anytime he came to the hole, Elbows, yeah. filling them, love taps. We touched them. We in the head, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. So I show those guys Jordan getting his <laughs> whooped. <laughs> Demi's touching him spiritually. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I think never change, AP. Never change. <laughs> That's exactly how he was as a player. It's why he was a beloved teammate. It's why people viewed him as a captain. And I think that's why a lot of his team is, you know, responding to him as a head coach the way that they are. And I think he's also, look, he's not dumb either. How he's saying it is also probably in a way that the league office can't really do anything to him about it. Like, <laughs> hey, you can't say you're going to affect him emotionally, spiritually, whatever. <laughs> like, you, like, what's the league going to tell him in regards to that? And so, look, I just, that's a glimpse into – how AP is, and mm. I think it's great. Laura, make no mistake about it. Antonio Pierce earned the job when they beat Kansas City in Kansas City in December. That was a remarkable job, and he's earned it. It was very similar to when we had Dan Campbell as an interim head coach for 12 games in Miami. He turned out to be a finalist with us. Adam Gase got the job. He went to New Orleans, and now the rest is history. But Sometimes being an interim coach is really helpful to see what they would be like in the job full-time. And mm -hmm. he did an outstanding job. It's that mindset that he talked about with Max Crosby. That's how they played. And that's why he's now the permanent head coach. And I love the fact that their head coach, Antonio Pierce, is sitting down with one of their star players. You could tell sometimes being a former player, if you're a head coach, it helps you understand how players think. Max Crosby is one of the best defenders in the entire league. Of course, he wants to beat Patrick Mahomes, but he understands it takes more than just him alone. It takes a mentality and a mindset. And I love the mentality and the mindset that Antonio Pierce is putting and placing in and on his team. You know, shout out to Max Crosby's podcast layout, guys. I kind of like that maybe for NFL Live, like, a couple people on the one couch, a couple people on the other couch, just, just uh, chilling out. All right, let's get into what the teams in the AFC West need to do this offseason to compete with Mahomes and company. We're going to go with the Raiders first. We're just talking about them. They enter this offseason with more than $35 million in cap space and the 13th overall pick in the draft. Adam Schefter reported last week that the Raiders are expected to cut Jimmy Garoppolo when the new league year begins next month, which would leave Aiden O'Connell and Brian Hoyer as the only quarterbacks on their roster. Acho, what do you think is the top priority for the Raiders? Well, it's got to be to address the quarterback position, and maybe it's through the draft or maybe it's through a trade situation. Now, let's not discount what Aiden O'Connell did. Last four games, eight touchdowns, zone interceptions, rallied his team around him. But there are some potential superstars in this year's draft. Obviously, some of these guys may go early, but then some of the guys later, guys like J.J. McCarthy, who was a Michigan national champion, he could be a potential guy to take that role. And so whether it's through the draft, maybe it's through free agency, maybe it's a, one of the quarterbacks we've been talking about for other fits, the Raiders have to address that position because we know defensively they're going to be good, mm -hmm. but quarterback 
is what you have to have if you want to try and beat Patrick Mahomes. From one Michigan man to another, Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers have work to do. Is there currently $47.5 million over the projected salary cap? After going 5-12 and 12 last season, L.A. has the fifth overall pick in the draft. Running back Austin Eckler, who leads the NFL in scrimmage touchdowns over the last three seasons, is set to become a free agent. Tim, what do you think should be the Chargers' priority? Well, I think running back should be a priority. You're talking about Austin Eckler. He's been a really productive player there. <clears throat> Look, Saquon Barkley may be available. Obviously, we saw the cap space or lack of cap space number that they would have to kind of deal with in order to get something done with Saquon. But look, they have the quarterback. You know, Otto was just talking about, hey, get the quarterback because that's the division. They have the quarterback. I think they need to get him some help. I think they need to change their identity. And for all, you know, everyone wants to say about Harbaugh and the former quarterback, look at what he's done as a head coach. He's been a guy that has pounded the football. It's mm. certainly been a mark of every single team that he has ever coached. And so I think getting a back like Saquon, who's versatile, certainly would be a nice start in that direction. Yeah, figure out what you're doing on the defensive side, too. They've paid a lot of those guys a lot of money, haven't panned out. The biggest question mark surrounding the Broncos offseason is the status of quarterback Russell Wilson, who was benched for the final two games of last season. If the Broncos choose to part ways with Wilson, they could turn to the draft to replace him as they have the 12th pick. Mike, what do you think the Broncos' priority is? Yeah, remarkably, Russell Wilson's going to pay, get paid $39 million not to be there. So I think the axiom of win for today and develop for tomorrow really applies at the quarterback position, which is keep Jared Stidham. Sean Payton does not want to go through a total rebuild, especially in year two. And then with the 12th pick, J.J. McCarthy may be sitting there. That's what's so interesting because Denver and the Raiders are, are picking back-to-back. -back. But that really sets up, sets up great for them because... Stidham is a veteran player that they could go win with. Let J.J. McCarthy sit for a year, learn under Sean Payton, and then they could be sort of off to the races for a while. So that's, to me, the best way they can approach this. Move on from Russell Wilson, draft a quarterback, but don't necessarily play him right yeah. away. Uh, we all know who the top three quarterbacks in the draft are, but it's interesting. J.J. McCarthy getting a lot of love, and I think he should. Let's go back to Russell Wilson. In his two seasons with the Broncos so far, Wilson ranks 25th out of 32 qualified quarterbacks in terms of QBR. That's a significant decline, as you might imagine, from his 10 seasons with the Seahawks when Wilson ranked in the top 10. So many are like, man, what a bad deal. But you got to remember what Russell Wilson was when he was with the Seahawks. Mike, what do you see as possible landing spots for Wilson? Laura, this is fascinating. He's going to get paid $39 million. He was a starter and a high-end player for a long time. First of all, he has to decide if he wants to play. And then if I'm him, go resurrect your career for a year. And then in 2025, you could be a frontline player again. I actually like the New York Jets. The New York Jets need a productive, inexpensive veteran backup. And I know it's unusual to have him and Aaron Rodgers in the same room. But for one year, I think it's a good place for him to invest because he needs to show that, hey, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. And I'm going to come out better on the other end. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because he will sign for the minimum with another team if he wants to play. Yeah, I just don't see Russell Wilson doing that. I think the thing that I think the money has changed in this game. Russell Wilson's already made close to $270 million playing football. He's going to, whether he plays a snap or not this upcoming season, is going to make another f nearly $40 million. Like, I just don't know 
that you can get a guy that's done the things that he's done. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's been a MVP caliber quarterback to say, hey, go make a million, you know, whatever, $1.1 million, have no security that we would keep you if things go poorly, or have no security that you're actually going to be the starter, or, hey, come just watch somebody else play. I, I just don't see a guy like that doing it. For, for a little perspective, Carson Wentz hadn't even made half that amount, and he wasn't signed by anybody until week 10, and that was in large part because of his decision of, nah, I don't want to go to that situation. Yeah. So, and he hasn't accomplished anything near what Russell Wilson has accomplished. Look, I, I'm not sure there's a landing spot. Well, I could tell you two landing spots. I think Atlanta and Pittsburgh are two landing spots. Those are two situations that need quarterback play. Look at Pittsburgh over the last two years. Kenny Pickett, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Look at Atlanta last year. Desmond Ritter, 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Even last year in a struggling year for Russell Wilson, he did not play up to par by any stretch of the imagination. 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns. Eight interceptions. So Russell Wilson, yes, you, you could argue the contract is highly overpaid, right? I get that. But there are certain teams that need a quarterback. And so the conversation shouldn't be, in my mind, he should go somewhere and back up or resurrect his career or figure out, you know, take a year off. No, this dude wants to play. And, and to the money piece of like, okay, yes, $39 million, whatever. One year, one, $1 million minimum contract plus a 39 that's guaranteed. All this dude wants, at least in my estimation, if I was a quarterback, is an opportunity not to resurrect your career, but to show what you can do without a rookie head coach, show what you can do without a coach who's actually telling you to, to essentially take a pay cut during a five-game winning streak or we're going to cut you or bench you. So for me, it's that opportunity. No, he's not uh, best in the world. At least he hasn't proven that in the last couple years. But the way we're talking about Russell Wilson, we're talking as if there aren't two, three, or four teams that are in dire need of a quarterback. And oh, by the way, a few of those teams don't have the top one, two, three, or fourth pick overall. I just think, look, I think he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks on the planet right now. Like, I, I think that is true. I think he would, he could help Atlanta. I think if he were in Pittsburgh, I don't think that he can walk in and say, like, hey, you are definitely the starter with Kenny Pickett and where he is in his stage of the career. And I just, like, I would need someone to show me the example of a quarterback who's actually done something like that to say, hey, everything I've accomplished the fact that I, I've made this money, I'm due this money no matter what, and I'm going to go in and compete for something without any security when I could end up getting embarrassed by the situation. Like, th like that to me, I just, like, I don't, like, as competitive as Russell Wilson certainly <clears throat> is, I don't know why at 35 years old with what he's accomplished, you would ever sign up for that. Well, he's talked about wanting to play until his 40s. That's one reason. Another reason is the amount of money he spends on his body, right? You talk about him and Steph Curry, LeBron, these guys spending a million dollars on their body every year. That's another reason. Another reason, too, is you talk about the security and then maybe not, maybe let's say he's fighting for a spot. You say it's Pittsburgh or whatever. Well, the security is this. Okay, you're getting that $39 million. You're playing for a minimum contract. Let's say he doesn't perform or let's say halfway through the season bench or whatever. There's If you want to cut him, there's other teams that might still need quarterbacks at that time, right? I don't think that's going do happen right I'm if I'm if I'm if I'm Pittsburgh 
I'm saying, okay, I could have my defense, Mike Tomlin, and then a stable quarterback at Russell Wilson. Let's say I don't get Justin Fields. To me, that's a major upgrade from anybody else that's currently on their roster. And so I take that chance if I'm Russell Wilson. I take that chance if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's say I don't get Justin Fields. And I don't like, for me, it's hard to say, well, why would Russell Wilson want to keep on playing this game? He's getting so much money. You never know, man. Like the game, sometimes it's like, it's a steal about purpose. It's a deal about passion, deal about opportunity. Like the check's still cash, regardless if you play or not. Put me on that field. Let me risk it. You don't believe in me? Great. But at least let me get an opportunity to show I can play for a team that actually needs a quarterback. That's my biggest thing. If there's 32 teams that have 32 quarterbacks, that's a different story. But there's a few teams that are in dire need, and I think that Russell Wilson could actually fill that need uh, significantly. Yeah, look, I, listen, I, look, we don't know what's inside them and what, what's burning and why you would play in some of those situations. There's a massive amount of humble sure. pie to go to a place without knowing that you're going to get a spot. And typically guys that have been, you know, to the top of the mountain, they don't sign up for that. And in terms of Russell Wilson, who he was in, in Seattle and who he is now, like if we're talking about finding a quarterback, you know, to throw – you know, 27 touchdowns and, you know, nine interceptions. Well, look, you might be able to get that out of Jimmy Garoppolo, and there might be, uh, you know, an easier path to sign him and a willingness to have any role on your football team. You know, Laurie, just to put a ribbon on this conversation, fundamentally we're going to see if Russell Wilson loves football, and I don't think any of us would begrudge him if he doesn't want to play. I would just tell you from a front office perspective, while not impossible, it would be very difficult to sign with a team in 2025 if he sits out this year. If he wants to continue to play and hopefully start in 2025, he needs to be on a roster this season, and that's ultimately a decision he'll have to make. Yeah, last point for me is what has Russell Wilson done to show us that he doesn't love football? That's my only thing, right? Like, look at last year. Okay, man, if you don't take this pay cut, we're going to cut you. He didn't report that. Like, that leaked somewhere else, and all of a sudden he confirmed it, but he still played. Yes, they were 1-5 in five the first six games. I get it. Defense was giving up 33 points a game. Gave up 70, gave up 28. I think it was 35. Like, it was bad. Defense turned around. Sure, Russell Wilson won five in a row. There was some good. Then there was bad again, right? Last four games, 1-3. So, I just, the, the, the idea of, like, like, he has to prove he loves it. I just don't know where that's come from. What has he done to show us that he doesn't love it? I haven't seen that piece. So just because we haven't seen uh, someone humble themselves in this way before doesn't mean it can't happen. You know, the one thing about Russell Wilson is he is able to be patient here and wait and see where some of these other quarterbacks land and who gets who in the draft, who trades for who. There could be uh, an ideal landing spot that we're not thinking of right now. Also, I would like to point out that I know for a fact Mike T spends a million dollars on his body, too. So you and Russ have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a lot more coming your way here on NFL yeah, Live as we carry on <laughs> talk about Green Bay. We're going to hear from Matt LaFleur ahead of the upcoming NFL Combine. What additions did the pack need to make to help Jordan Love in year two? Tim has some ideas. That's all next right here on NFL Live. We'll be right back. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Here's our next ESPN Plus UFC Fight Night Saturday in Mexico City, highlighted by the flyweight main event. The prelims start at 7 Eastern, followed by the main card at 10. Don't miss that. All right, new on NFL Live, Matt LaFleur just spoke about new defensive coordinator Jeff Hathley. Just really excited what, what he's going to bring. Uh, certainly it will be a different scheme, um, but I think it's one that I think it will be easy to ad adjust to with, with the personnel that we have. I want us to be fast and physical and attack the ball, and um, we will be a little bit more vision-based on the back end, and um, I think that's that's great opportunity to uh, be able to go out there and generate takeaways. Fast and physical, of course, Mikey, remember they moved on from Joe Barry, Jeff Halfley coming in as the defensive coordinator. What does that mean for the Packers moving forward? I think it's similar to what Coach LaFour just said. A lot more physicality that should lead to turnovers. You know, Laura, at different points of the year, they had eight former first-round picks available on defense. That is a ton of talent, and they underachieved on that side of the ball. So there is a massive sense of urgency for that defense to catch up to the offense. And if they do, they could be in the Super Bowl next year. So I think what Matt did is made the tough decision, but the right one. And I think this defense will be more productive next season. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see, especially pairing with the offense. And Jordan Love's first season as a starter got off to a tough start, but he rebounded and was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL during the second half of the season. Over the final two months of the season, Love led the NFL in QBR. He threw 18 touchdowns, just one interception, leading the Packers to the playoffs, where, of course, everyone remembers that huge upset of the Cowboys in the wild card round. Tim, what do you think Love needs to do to continue to be successful in year two as a starter? Well, I think just build on the things that changed from that first part of the season to the second part. I mean, we just had the graphic up there. He was remarkable on the back half of the season because when you look at the touchdown to interception ratio, one of the things that really sticks out to me is like how aggressive he still was with the football. He's throwing a lot of touchdowns, but yet not turning it over. Like usually a guy that's aggressive, you find yourself, you know, trying to fit the ball in the tight windows and, and you know, ball gets tipped and intercepted. There's some bad luck, but he ultimately did an excellent job with that. I think there was so much. When you think about where he is in February of 2024 versus, you know, of 2023, how much further along he is, how much more confidence that he has, there's really not a hole in his game anywhere. And so I think mm. it's about building on what he's already done, becoming a better leader, elevating the play of the guys around him, which he's already started to do. Yeah, I agree with that. But even more so, more specifically, I would say building the relationships with his receivers. You're looking at young guys, guys like Jaden Reed, nearly 800 receiving yards this year. Romeo Dobbs played well. Christian Watson, there's so much. Dontavian Wicks, Bo Melton. There's so much youth on the receiving core of this team. And you have a young quarterback who seems to be inspiring confidence in his teammates. I think about back when Jordy Nelson was a younger player. And even uh, back when, when, when some of the other Packers receivers we're young, all of a sudden there's going to be a point where that confidence grows, you take it to the next level. When you have a quarterback like Jordan Love making some of the throws he was making last year, yes, the stats are great, 18 to 1 touchdown interception ratio, but some of the throws he made are going to inspire confidence in the receivers to build even a better rapport. I'll tell you, Laura, the one thing they need is a dynamic left tackle, Rashid Walker. He filled in for David Bakhtiari, who probably will have to retire with injuries. They are loaded everywhere. Go get a great young pass-protecting left tackle, and they'll be set. And in this year's draft, there should be one even at the bottom of the first round. 
We'll look for that, Mike. Also, the Packers became the youngest team to win a playoff game since the 1970 merger. Speaks to how talented they already are. They got a lot of youth on their side. Up next on the show, Tua has taken the next step, according to a lot of people. But is it enough to earn a big contract extension to Miami? Well, he has the firepower around him. What could the Finns do to hold that back? We're diving into it after the break. We'll be right back. Super Bowl 57, Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. A moment of progress, generations in the making. For the first time ever, two black quarterbacks faced off in the biggest game of the NFL season. The historic 2023 matchup between Mahomes and Hurts arrived exactly 35 years after Doug Williams became the first ever black signal caller to start and win a Super Bowl in 1988. The evolution of black quarterbacks continued this past NFL season when the Baltimore Ravens became the first team in league history with an all-black quarterback room. We're back on NFL Live. Let's talk about the Dolphins. For the second straight year, they have a new defensive coordinator as Anthony Weaver replaces Vic Fangio. Weaver was on the Ravens staff for the previous three seasons. The Dolphins have several key players scheduled to become free agents, including defensive tackle Christian Wilkins and a pair of O-linemen in Robert Hunt and Connor Williams. And last but certainly not least, Tua Tungavailoa entering the final year of his contract after leading the NFL with more than 4,600 passing yards last season. Uh, how about this? Earlier this week, Mike uh, threw out potential trade for the Dolphins. Jalen Waddle for Trent McDuffie. He'll explain that in a second, okay? But Tyreek Hill responded, posting this on X. My boy Waddle is the future. He's better than I was at this point in his career. And for people, Mike, in this fan base to want to trade him is ludicrous. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. All right, so let's go there. You're stirring things up with trade scenarios. What did you think of Tyreek's response? Well, A-plus for being a great teammate, and I appreciate his engagement, but... My whole idea was these are two great young players that really fill needs for the other team. So, first of all, I'm assuming that they're going to cut Xavier Howard because of money and injury. So, they're going to need a great corner opposite what they have in Jalen Ramsey. That's where Trent McDuffie comes in. Obviously, they have tons of firepower. As great as Jalen Waddell is, they could survive losing him. And for Kansas City, Laura, same thing. Let's assume they're going to tag Legereus Sneed. They're desperate for a frontline receiver that, ironically, they haven't had since Tyreek Hill. So it's almost part two of that big trade that these two teams made a year and a half ago. Yeah, I love it. I mean, so far, we've put uh, Mike Evans. Now we put Jalen Waddell on the Chiefs. I mean, you guys are just making him definitely go for the three-peat. Maybe the biggest question, though, for the Dolphins this offseason is paying Tua Tungavailoa. Tim, do you think he should get a top-of-the-market quarterback deal? Yeah, I mean, look, that, that doesn't mean he should reset the quarterback market, yeah. but should he be play, paid like a starting quarterback? Yeah, Laura, I think that he should. And look, I, I think that he's proved enough. And I also think that if you wait and he puts together another season, um, like this season, he's going to be even more expensive. I would put him in this like class of guys that we've seen kind of go through this or get to this point before, whether it's Kirk Cousins, whether it's Dak Prescott, and ultimately what happens is they're more expensive and then it ends up hurting your football team. If you go ahead and sign him now when he's got a year left on his deal, it, it's not going to blow the top off of the market. And in a few years, it will actually be relatively inexpensive and you'll be able to continue to surround him with good talent. So 
I would. I would jump the gun on this one with Tua. And it's not just surrounding him, Tim, with good talent. It's also who his head coach is. So Mike McDaniel, remember that private jet flight when he said, hey, on the phone with Tua and talked about how I'm going to make you into the quarterback I believe for you to be. Well, we're seeing that this year, Tua, fully healthy, led the league in passing yards, had a career high in passing touchdowns. And the one issue you saw where there was interceptions, 14, but now that he's understanding the offense more, I believe those will go down. So what happens? Yes, the head coach, the talent around him, that everyone around him is having career years. That's what you're seeing, right? Guys like Raheem Mostert, had a career year setting records. So I think with that quarterback, yes, Tua, but also with Mike McDaniel as his head coach, I think that's a marriage that should and can last, especially if you pay Tua what I think he's earned. You know, Laura, I think this is the unusual situation where both sides may be better off waiting. From Miami's standpoint, they could say, hey, look, you were hurt in college, hurt in the NFL. You got through 17 games, which is awesome because 66 different quarterbacks started let's do that one more year and we'll put you at the top of the market and from to a standpoint if he would be at roughly 45 48 million dollars per year why not bet on yourself for one more season and then you have all the leverage in the world to go 60 million or more so i can see why both sides may want to hit pause which is hmm. somewhat unusual yeah I, I do hear the gm logic there i also would say that mcdaniel and tua love each other so the emotional part of this could weigh in. Uh, big news, guys, today, by the way, is Eli Manning's character, Chad Powers, who made waves, as you might remember, with his Penn State tryout on Eli's places. He's being optioned by Hulu into a half-hour comedy series starring Glenn <laughs> Powell from the Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Eli Manning weighed in on the casting posting, quote, I hope Glenn's working on his QB skills. I saw him throw a football at Maverick, and he's got some work to do. So, <laughs> either way, all right, Glenn, I mean, Glenn's got it going on right now. At Top Gun Maverick, one of the best movies ever made. The original Top Gun, also one of the best movies ever made, so don't come at me for that. Now he's going to be Chad Powers. Thanks for being with us today on NFL Live. We'll see you right here, same time, same place tomorrow.